Hey, tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, please welcome your host, Shane. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Tourpreneur Podcast, where we try to flatten the learning curve so you can grow your business and delight your customers. And if you listen to today's guest, you're not only going to save money, I think you'll be getting a lot more business. For those of you especially who are either currently using Facebook ads for marketing or you want to use Facebook ads, today's guest is Amrita Gurney. She is the Vice President of Marketing at CrowdRef. Now, a couple of weeks ago on the Daily Brief, which is the email I send out every day, where I curate all the major news in tours and activities and digital marketing, I saw a state-of-the-industry report that CrowdRef released all about Facebook ads. Now, what they did is they analyzed and visualized the data on more than 1,600 Facebook ads run by state destination marketing organizations, tourpreneurs, resorts, hotels. And on this episode, we really focus on tourpreneurs, what she feels is working for tourpreneurs out there. Is it a signal image? Is it a video? Is it a carousel? What are the call to actions? So there's a ton of value in this episode. And if you go to tourpreneur.com forward slash 22, uh, we'll have all the links we talk about, all the reports. They have tons of free ebooks as well. So do go check out CrowdRef. So without further ado, um, let's cross over to Amrita. Amrita, can you share with us a little bit more about this report? A quick summary for people who may not have seen this ebook. It's basically a report that we put together where we analyzed over a thousand Facebook ads that different kinds of travel businesses are running. And we chose Facebook because we know that it's one of the main digital platforms now that people are using to reach their audience because it's so targeted. And so it was really interesting to see, you know, what do they use in their ads? How do they drive people to calls to action? What kind of imagery do they use? And so that's what we put together, and we've made it available for free to download. Marvelous. And I will share those links on the show notes for today's episode, which is tourpreneur.com forward slash 22. So let's talk a little bit about formats, because I mean, I, I'm addicted to looking at Facebook ads. I'm one of these weird people. I actually really like it when I get ads in my feed, because I'm always wanting to know what, what people are doing and, and what's working. And I'm always looking at the copy and images. So in terms of formats, what did you see in your study with regards to tour operators, what were they using? You know, was it the single image that you see or videos or carousels? So one thing that was interesting is that about 44% of people were using single images, which it was interesting to me because it was lower than I expected. And we had a lot more people using video. So 
you know, video is a little bit harder for people to produce. So normally those numbers tend to be lower. So it was interesting to see that single images were 44%, video was 37%. And then a small portion are using the carousel ads, which are the ads where you can have multiple frames. And again, you have to have more content to supply those ads. So it's understanding that that was the lowest. If we'd spoken maybe two years ago, so that 44% to 37% photo v video, how do you think those numbers would have been a couple of years back? Definitely would have been almost entirely single image. And I think it's because video, while we consume a lot of video, I think as marketers and brands and businesses, making these videos have traditionally been very labor intensive and costly. And so even in just the last two years, I think there's been a lot of progress in tools or tutorials on how to use video for advertising. And also, I think the other thing that's changed is that Facebook is now really emphasizing video. And so that content is now what's being viewed the most. And so people are seeing it more and engaging with it more. Yeah. And I guess with video, I mean, if you visit Scotland, for instance, it would be easier because Scotland's a beautiful country and you have videos of the rolling hills and the highlands. But when you're running a walking tour, let's say it's a walking tour of Toronto, for instance, what kind of things do you think people should include in their video based upon what you've seen in your study? Well, what we've seen, not just in the study, but also across other kinds of brands and experiences that we observe is that Showing the experience from the visitor's point of view or the traveler's point of view is really important to do because you're not just showing a picture of a landmark, which you can find imagery like that in a lot of places, but you're showing someone who's actually really intrigued or excited. So I would say, number one, make sure you include your real life customers in your ads. And then the second piece around that would be to think about video now as being for people who are scanning feeds and have short attention spans. So making sure that you really focus on short clips that show things in really small bite-sized pieces. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then something else I was reading about just this week, actually, that also makes a lot of sense. I hadn't really thought about it was the use of subtitles. Yes. So I was actually just at a conference and we talked a lot about how many people are now looking at things on their phone with the sound off. In fact, at the conference itself, I was laughing because during my session, I asked how many of you have looked at your phone during my session? <laughs> and of course, the entire room raised their hand. So <laughs> I think sound <laughs> sound off, that's what we have to get used to now as speakers as well. So sound off means that you need to think about what is in the image. Can it stand by itself without some kind of caption? And if not, definitely make sure that you're including captions or some kind of typography throughout the video so that people can just read what they're seeing. And I know that on YouTube, uh, I'm not an expert with video, I have to be honest, I'm, I'm still learning about it. But on YouTube, I think there is a service Well, it will work can make captions for you. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And I know there are other tools as well that do that. So the nice thing is, you know, even every month, it seems like there's more development in terms of what's out there for us as marketers. So even if it seems really hard to make that work now, there's a lot more automation behind it. I realized yesterday I put a video on our Facebook group for our listeners and our brief readers, and I didn't subtitle it. And then I thought, oh, yeah, well, if you're at work or whatever else, you might be you know, on the bus and you don't have your headphones with you, you're just not going to hear you know, what the video is about. Is there any companies you recommend that you hear good things about when it comes to creating subtitles? Well, we use our video platform, which is called Wistia, and there is an auto-captioning feature in that, I believe. But 
That's a good question. I can also see if there's some others that I can send over for you to add to the links. That would be great. Because I guess the way I hear it is if you want to share a video on Facebook, if you just paste up the YouTube link, Facebook doesn't like it because they, they want you to stay on platform, right? So is it better to record that video and then put it up as, as part of the Facebook feed? Yes, that's true. So while it is good to still share links outside to other sites, that the more you can keep people on the Facebook platform, the happier Facebook is. And it is very exciting now. And actually, it's, it's frustrating as well because I was researching and I'm thinking more of smaller tour operators. I actually asked some what gimbal, like I didn't even know what the word gimbal was until a couple of months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's this strange word now? Uh, what does that stand for? What's the acronym? But no, and you know, there, there's also, you know, there's a lot of um, options with gimbals and, and, and we're, we're not going to go into that in this episode. Maybe a future one. If there's anyone out there listening who's an expert on this, uh, Chris Torres maybe or someone like that, will come on and talk gimbals because they're not cheap, are they? They're not. We bought one for our office and it took a little while for us to get used to it, but it's so incredible what the video footage looks like. And just like drone photography, once you see that, it's really hard to not use it. And even myself, I'd love for us to invest more in that for our team. Sure. Do you remember which gimbal you bought? I believe the one I bought was by a company called DJI, and it was the one yes. where you just attach your mobile phone to it. Was it the Osmo? Yes. Yes, that's the one I got, the Osmo okay. too. And yeah. That's, it's, it's, it's good, me. but it's exactly, it's a little tricky to use. It's not, you know, the people that use it make it look so easy, and yeah. uh, people on my team are much more adept in using it but once you get the hang of it it actually does some really great stabilization brilliant well we'll leave that discussion to another episode because I, I i think that's also something that tour operators want to learn a lot about and i keep seeing lots of ads in my feed for different gimbals so there's that old <laughs> adage don't make me think right then you start right. seeing all the options i wanted to talk a little bit more about ads in terms of i know you in your report and your study was user generated content versus professional because something I struggle with when I do my images and ads and posts is I never want to use those stock photos because they just look awful, don't they? They do, absolutely. And so this was definitely something that I saw that tour operators are generally below where we see other travel sectors in terms of using user-generated content. So right now in our study, we looked at, like I said, over a thousand ads. And so about 84% of tour operators were using professional photography, which much of that is stock photography. And then we have some who, you know, of course, just have their own on-site team. And then only about 13% were using user-generated content. And that was interesting for us because we really see a big difference in engagement when people see a picture that looks much more real and unfiltered, but still beautiful and telling a great brand story than when they're looking at something that looks like stock photography. And so I see other brands we work with really moving to replace their stock photography with UGC. And I imagine that over time, we'll see that with tour operators as well. Wow. So only 13% using user-generated content. Yeah, not what you would expect. No, not at all. Because you know, when I look at Instagram feeds and, and various others, I, I know two operators are taking photos, but it may be a confidence thing as well that they feel they have to get somebody in to take these, you know, high quality images. Yeah, I think it's definitely that. I think for some people, we find that they're just not sure what the rules are around using user generated content or how to find good content. So that's another area why we see, you know, once you understand sort of the ropes, then it becomes a lot more easy to start using it. 
Yeah, and I guess that's the fun part with Facebook ads. When you do start playing around with images, you can look at the response rates and the engagement rates. And, you know, it's not like the bad old days when the pre-internet days that I remember where you'd put an ad in a newspaper and wait for the phone to ring. You know, that was the only way you knew if your ad was effective, whereas now you can tell within a couple of days with A-B testing which images are stronger. Yeah, you can see right away which images are going to work. And so you can adjust really quickly, which I think as a marketer, I mean, it's great. It makes things a little more laborious, but it's good because you can change your results really quickly. Absolutely. The The other thing you looked at was call to actions. Can you share a little bit more about what you discovered around call to actions? Sure. So we were looking at what do people who are posting ads on Facebook, where are they sending those audiences? And so one of the things that we saw with tour operators is that 51% of them were sending them back just to a general website link. Um, although we did have a group of people who were sending them to nothing. So 17%. So you're showing an image, but you're not really sending them anywhere. And so we see again, um, of course, you want to send them ideally to a place where they can get more information and hopefully book a ticket with you. And you don't want to do as much advertising where there is no call to action because it puts the onus on the viewer to then have to go Google your brand and then look up that information and do that. So the more you can just send them there directly, the better. And so that's another area of opportunity. Brilliant. And in terms of any visual themes, so I know you analyzed 1600 ads. Was there anything that really stood out for you? Well, I think in this case, for this specific group of tour operators, it was not surprising that most of the ads, about 49%, were actually showing outdoor action. And I think we did have a bit of a skew in the ads that we looked at, because if you look at the proportion of tour operators we analyzed, there weren't as many that were just doing specialized history tours, for example, or food tours. So most of the tour operators that we analyzed were offering something like a boat cruise or whale watching or something like that. And so it's very natural that the outdoors would really be front and center. In your research, did you see any kind of interviews with with guests at all? Was that something that was popular? You know, that's uh, something I was going to mention as well. I was surprised that only about 10% of these ads showed family and friends in the ad or people. And that to me is, again, especially in tours, a really missed opportunity because If you can show the photo of people who look genuinely happy to be there, that is really infectious. And we've seen this with one customer, for example, Hornblower Niagara, who does great boat cruises under Niagara Falls. And they have some imagery that they said they could never stage this with models. You know, you see these little kids that are just absolutely delighted to be sprayed on by the falls. And so that kind of imagery, I imagine, you know, I used to, I grew up on the East Coast of Canada. Whale watching was something I did a lot. It's incredible to see a whale out in the ocean. And so capturing that kind of experience is something that, again, I see as a big opportunity here. Absolutely. And as you said earlier on in, in the conversation, I guess the worry there is, you know, tour operators would need to get disclaimers from those people they use in the photos just to make sure they can use it and everything else. Yes, definitely. And we have a lot of free articles on our blog about rights management, because I know that's a very important topic, but it's actually not as complicated as you would think. And so we now work with over 700 brands. We see lots of people doing it. It's definitely not just us. Um, And so that's something that, again, I think it's about just being educated and understanding what the process is and getting rights. Well, congratulations on on the 700 brands, because I think when I looked last year, you were working with 400. So you've had a lot of growth over there. 
We have, yes. It's been a really exciting time for us over the last three years. When I joined the company, we were about 15 people and about, I think, 70 customers. Now we're about 110 people and about 700 customers. So we've been really thrilled to just see how people have adopted our product and just how they've really built a community as well, which has been really fun. So Crowdriff itself, how can you help tour operators? So tour operators who are listening right now and they're not familiar with Crowdriff, what can you do to help them? For those who don't know Crowdriff, we're essentially a software product that travel brands use. And they use us for a couple of things. I would say the the main way that brands use us is to source user-generated content, get rights to that content, and then put that content on their website or in their print, in their brochures, even in ads like we spoke about. And so one of the ways that we help is that the process of doing that, if you aren't using a software tool, it can be very laborious. You know, you have to find the right content that's good enough quality that fits the the story that you want to tell. So I think we definitely save a lot of time. But more importantly, I think over the years, we've built up a lot of data around which visuals are going to get people clicking through to your booking page versus which ones won't. And so that kind of information can be really useful to just help you Take your website visitors from just browsers to actually bookers. So let's say, for instance, I have a walking tour in Toronto and I'm working with you. So do I send or do I upload all of my photos to Crowdriff? Yeah. So what you can do, it might sound a little bit complicated, but it's actually quite simple. You log into Crowdriff and we start tracking all of the photos that are being tagged around your brand. So sometimes it's through a hashtag. It could be through a keyword. So imagine logging in and seeing hundreds or thousands of photos and videos from the last several weeks or months that you've been operating your tours. And then you can just, with a few clicks, push some of those photos to your website without needing a developer to do that. You can literally do that in five minutes a day. And in the same way, every day you can get rights to some photos and we organize it really well so that you always know whether or not you have the rights to use it in certain ways. And so we're really all about making people be able to work smarter with visuals because we know that visuals are really at the heart of travel experiences. And it's one of the most shared types of content on social media. I watched your videos on your website, which explained your part. And I have to say, I really like the the tagging of images because even though I, you know, this is episode 22, I still spend a huge amount of time trying to find the image I want for the show or for the Facebook post, whatever it may be. And I, I pull my hair out doing that, I have to say. So I know it's uh, it's definitely something that's painful and it's nice for me as a marketer and for our team to use our own product because we're the same way. You know, we have tons of images that we take when we're traveling and you can just upload those images to Crowdriff. So in addition to the user-generated content, we store all of your professional photography, all of your staff photography, and then we auto-tag everything so that when you're looking for a great photo of you know, two friends on a whale watching cruise, you can find it in seconds instead of having to remember what folder you put it in or, oh, did I put it on John's hard drive and he's not in the office this week? And so, you know, all of those things that we've all experienced. And I would urge our listeners who are intrigued to go to to Crowdriff's website, which will be on the show notes, but also at crowdriff.com. Did you know every weekday Shane curates the most interesting news articles in tours and activities and sends them out in a snappy daily digest? Grab your copy of the Tourpreneur Daily Briefing at www.tourpreneur.com. You also have a conference coming up in November, don't you? 
We do. We're really excited. It's our first year running this conference, and it's going to be on November 8th and 9th in Toronto, which is where our head office is. And so we're bringing together about 150 to 200 marketers who they all work in travel, but they specialize in digital, social media, content, websites, and just bringing those people together to learn from each other, but also to bring some great speakers who can teach people how to tell better stories with their visuals, how to make their Facebook ads perform better, and how to work with influencers. There's a lot of great topics that we have, and we're really happy with the response because it's our first year. So we were holding our breath, wondering, are people going to come? But we're expecting a really good group. And I see that you've got uh, Rafat Ali, the CEO and founder of Skift, who's your keynote speaker. We do. We're so thrilled to have him. We've, Like many people, we've really admired him from afar and been so influenced by the work that his team does. So to have him really kick off the conference and talk about the future of travel is super exciting. And and we were really happy that he was available. That's great. What was the the genesis of the idea of of having a conference? What was it that made you think, yeah, you know, we need to do this? It was a couple of things. I would say one was just, we want to level up everyone's abilities around visual storytelling because we do a lot of education ourselves, but we know there's other experts out there that we really wanted to put in front of people because the better we get at doing that, the better people's travel experiences will be, the better the brand's performance will be. And then the second piece for us is definitely community. And as you know, of course, people who work in travel are some of the most wonderful people out there. And we see them when we go to other conferences and we just wanted to bring everyone together. And many of them have been wanting to meet each other for a long time because we've got customers now in over 25 countries. So I think they're just as excited to see each other as they are probably to see us. And we're really happy for our team also to meet all of our customers because only some of us get to see them face to face on a regular basis. Absolutely. And uh, I know it's your first one, so it might be tricky for you to answer this, but who's going to get the most out of attending your conference? What kind of tour operator? I would say anyone that is really interested in using digital as a way to get more people to their tours and someone who has some person on their team, if not a team itself, that is dedicated to marketing because it's hard if you're trying to do this and a million other things at the same time. So if you have somebody who you can really put towards this, who can go to the conference, learn a bunch of things, and then take them back to the team, I would say that kind of operator. So uh, in general, we tend to work with brands that are investing in their marketing. And so I think if you're a tour operator who is taking marketing seriously or wants to take marketing more seriously, it would be a great place for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm looking at some of the sessions here. They look wonderful. Advanced Facebook ads. Who doesn't want someone to talk them through the back end of Facebook? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're really happy with the mix of speakers that we've gotten. And the other thing I should mention is that it's not a conference where you're just going to be sitting in a room listening to people. We really wanted our speakers to deliver workshops that were very hands-on. So you can go back and feel like you've gotten some training as well, which is a nice way of justifying the cost. And then we are great hosts, if I don't say so myself. And so we're going to show people a good time. We've got some really fun activities to get people into the city to really see what the city of Toronto is all about. Great. So that is on Thursday 7th and Friday 8th, correct? The 7th is kind of a pre-conference day for people to meet each other. And then Friday and Saturday are the two days of the conference. I would love to have come, but unfortunately I'm in Germany on those dates. Oh, that's too bad. We would have loved to have had you. Yeah, and I would love to come because, you know, all your sessions 
that you have here to do with images and digital marketing. I'm always wanting to learn and to share more on the show, but uh, hopefully I can make it to your second one. Exactly. I'll send you a save the date sometime this fall. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, I've already booked my flights for Germany. Otherwise, I, I would definitely be coming up for that in Toronto. Is there anything else you want to share with, with our listeners in regards to CrowdRith? I'm not sure if this is still available, but you had a course, didn't you? I remember signing up for the course. Is that still available? It is still available. So we have a ton of free material. We just published our first print book as well, which we're happy to send to people if they want to just uh, send a note to the marketing team, which is just marketing at crowdriff.com. You know, we do put out a lot of material for the community, which has been something that our customers have really appreciated. So yes. I would say, you know, enjoy. You don't have to be a customer to learn. We, we've we learned a lot from other people who have shared their knowledge. So we, we love doing the same. And then I would say that, uh, you know, we, we're excited to see what's coming next because I know as marketers, things are changing. And I think travel is such an amazing industry to work in. And there's a lot of important issues that we can help tackle as well. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what we can do to support the community going forward. Brilliant. And I, I absolutely love that you're giving this stuff away for free because it shows you're committed to the industry. The video that I, I put out recently on Facebook was, you know, these are strong words and I'm a little uncomfortable using them, but I'm really declaring war on what I call the empty soup gurus are out there. I, I'm speaking to several entrepreneurs a week who've spent serious cash with digital marketers who don't deliver. And it's tragic. It is. And, you know, as a marketer, it's, I get, it's really hard to be able to tell if somebody is good or not. And then even on the software side, you know, not everybody needs all of the tools that let's say a bigger brand is using. And so even when we work with a prospect who's not sure if CrowdRiff is right for them, you know, we are really clear up front whether or not it's a good fit because we don't want our customers to leave us. We want them to be happy and stay with us for a long time. And I'm really happy that that is what we have today. But we've also decided, as you mentioned, to just focus on travel and tourism. So I would say that's the other thing that is something to look for is do they understand your business? Absolutely. No, that's critical. I'm actually in the middle of building a directory on Tourpreneur, which will be free of charge, but it will be, uh, let's say, for instance, someone is looking for you know video marketing help and two tour operators are like, yeah, we use Jane Smith of such and such company and we had a really good experience. I'm going to add that to the directory because I think a word of mouth is great, but it's actually finding those people that are experienced and they know what they're talking about. And even if they charge top dollar, you know, they're going to deliver for you or better still are going to say, you know what, this is what we will try and do for you, but I'm not guaranteeing to get you in the top three of Google for right. your keywords. And when I speak to some tour operators and I, oh yeah, they, these guys said they'd get me to number one in Google and the alarm bells stop going because nobody yeah. can guarantee that, right? I know. And it makes marketers look bad, which I don't like because it is a really hard discipline and not everyone knows what they're doing, but there are some great experts out there. And so you're right, we should really raise those up and make sure that people can find them. Absolutely. Well, let's not end this on a slightly negative note. I'm really excited to share your free material with our community, especially for those who aren't familiar with CrowdRef. I wish you all the best for your conference in November. And thank you very much for sharing us some snippets of, of things that you've found in your study, because I think we're all wanting to learn and we're all wanting to succeed with Facebook because none of us have war chests of money to burn on Facebook ads. So thank you very much for all you do. You're so welcome. And you've been such a great host. You made it very easy to share what we do. So thanks so much. And a big thank you to Amrita Gurney of CrowdRiff for joining us today and sharing a little bit more 
but some of the headline stuff that they found in their research. Fascinating. And go check out that research and read the data in full for more on that. Appreciate you joining today. If you are a Facebook expert and you've worked with tour operators, or you are a tour operator and you work with someone who's done your Facebook ads for you and done a really good job, two things. First of all, I would love to invite them on the show. I'd love to go deeper on the topic of Facebook ads, but they must have worked with tour operators because as I shared in our insider group recently, I'm starting to get cheesed off with a lot of so-called digital marketers that are over-promising, under-delivering, and charging a lot of money for that. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that nobody can guarantee you top ranking in Google. In fact, if someone does guarantee you top rankings in Google, run, (laughs) run. Um, But I want to showcase those experts out there that are really helping businesses grow, tour operators to grow. Also, I want to build a directory and you can go to that directory free of charge and you can go, yeah, I need an SEO person. I need a WordPress person, copywriting, whatever it may be, insurance. And you can go to our directory and you'll see the tourpreneurs that have recommended that person. Um, so do drop me a line on tourpreneurshow at gmail.com or just go to tourpreneur.com and hit the contact page and you can email me there. So until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to the Tourpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit tourpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Tourpreneur.